Pro Group Management. Workers' Comp that works for you. Welcome to Nevada Newsmakers on the broadcast today. We're joined by Senior Judge Chuck Weller. He has a lot to say about what happened in Las Vegas in the courtroom where the judge was attacked. All coming up next on all new Nevada Newsmakers. Big R in Sparks is located on Bering Boulevard next to Smith's and across from Reed High School. It's a 50,000 square foot clothing store and a whole lot more. For the cold days ahead, jackets, hoodies, flannel shirts, insulated bib overalls, thermal underwear, beanies, and merino wool socks. Big R. Hardware, clothing, and a whole lot more. Forget the weather outside. There's a blizzard of points inside the Carson Valley Inn during the 15 million points giveaways. Drawings every Thursday and Saturday, including four 1 million point winners guaranteed. And don't miss the 2 million point grand prize giveaways. It's the 15 million points giveaways at the Carson Valley Inn. Remember 2010 in Northern Nevada, 13 to 14% unemployment, thousands of homes in foreclosure, Nevada's casinos closing? Families in the Reno Sparks area were hurting. Many were losing everything. Then Story County launched a game changer for our region, a public-private industrial partnership, streamlined permitting slash bureaucracy, attracting Fortune 500 companies that made Nevada their home. Story County generated a river of cash to area communities. Economic studies by the state and others for the Gigafactory consistently show positive economic benefits for our region. Four billion in local wages, 17 billion in consumer spending and economic activity, over $100 million in taxes to Washoe, Story, Reno, Sparks, and Nevada, just for the Gigafactory alone. Story County, improving Northern Nevada one industry at a time. This is Nevada Newsmakers with host Sam Shad on No Holds Barred Political Forum. Now, from the Nevada Newsmakers broadcast headquarters, here is Sam Shad. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we are pleased to welcome back to the program after a long absence, uh, Chuck Weller. He's a senior judge here in Washoe County and around the state. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you, Sam. And, and I want to point out that you and I have a very long history together. Years and years ago, this would have been, I'm guessing, early to mid-80s, you were doing a radio show called Chuck Weller and the Law. On KOH. On KOH Radio. And you and I had conversations about perhaps working together with marketing and advertising, things like that. So we really do go back a long ways. A long time. Um, you also did a, um, a uh, column for the Reno Gazette Journal on the Law. And that was building your career. I mean, you did what uh, we've been discussing uh, around Sandra Day O'Connor, which is internships um, or working for free to be able to build your credibility within an institution or in a profession. And you certainly did that for many years before you became an elected judge. Well, so I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed, this community's been very good to me and I enjoyed giving free law to people. Um, you eventually became a family court judge. Yes. Um, why did you want to get into family law? Because that is such a contentious, not, not that all law isn't contentious, but that is such a contentious area of law. Well, it, perhaps that's part of the reason. It, the, um, I, I like telling people about the law, and one 
aspect of being a family court judge is just that. In, in fact, our statute says that we're, try, we're to try to resolve family court matters by alternative methods to litigation. And so over 90% of cases that come to family court are resolved by discussion, by settlement, and a lot of that is educating people on what the law is. And so it was kind of a continuation of what I was doing on the radio and in the newspaper and my practice. One of the reasons, and I, the main reason I'm sure that you contacted me, um, was in reference to what happened in Clark County just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where a judge, uh, Mary Kay Holthus, um, was attacked on the bench. It was nationwide news. Um, there was video of it, everybody saw that. And for those that don't know, you were a victim of an assault uh, that was just absolutely awful. Back in 2006, you were actually shot. Can you tell us the story of what the case was, and how it developed into a situation where somebody went into a parking garage and aimed a high-powered rifle at you in an attempt to kill you. It was a divorce case. Um, it was a contentious divorce case, not more contentious than a lot of divorce cases, but it was contentious. Uh, the husband in that case w was dissatisfied with the way that things were going. And one morning he got up and he murdered his wife, stabbed her to death in his garage. Multiple times. Multiple times. Then he went to a parking garage across the Truckee River from the courthouse and shot with a rifle through the, my chamber's windows, uh, striking me in the upper left chest. Um, he's in prison now. He was convicted of of uh, murder for her, an attempted murder for me. Um, it wasn't my best day. Uh, to say the least. Um, were you in any way, and as I said earlier, these are contentious cases, um, were you in any way concerned about your physical health? Yes, of course, and that and that's one problem really? with, with that. That's a problem with uh, attacks against the courts. Um, they have an an attack has an impact not only on the judge and the judge's family, and I certainly sympathize with Judge Holstis about what's happened to her, but it's also impactful on all of the judiciary. It distracts people from what they're doing, from considering the law, from applying it to the facts of a case. And so it, it hurts the judicial system, not only because somebody has been physically injured, but because it takes the attention of judges away from what they're supposed to be doing. May I take you back to that moment? And tell me, you, you were in your offices, and suddenly, what happened? A window shattered. I had a burning sensation in my chest. So it was instant? Yeah, For, pretty instant. And, and you fell to the ground? I fell to the ground. Did you know what had happened at that moment? I did. So it was in, instantaneous that you realized? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and were you able to think at that moment? beyond just the fact I've been shot? Yeah, I thought a lot of things. For I example, wondered if I was going to die. I thought I knew who had done it. Uh, 
I was surrounded almost instantly by deputies. Um, I was risked, whisked to the hospital. Um, and was it the person that you thought was the attacker, was the attacker? It was. What indication did you have that that was even a potential to be that person? Because you had done many, many cases. Or there was a men's organization in the community that had told me that this fellow had uh, was making allegations against me uh, at this organization. And because I knew that he was vocally speaking out against me, that's why I suspected him. Did you, and you, you said you, you thought potentially that your life was, was threatened at that point, that, that you might not survive this. What, what, I, I have a heart condition, and I had a heart attack back in 94. And there have been a couple of instances where there have been issues with my heart where I've ended up in an ambulance with sirens and flashing lights. You think about a lot of things um, because you think that you may be at the end. And hopefully you're not, as I ha was not, and you obviously were not. But what did you think? What, what, what went through your mind in terms of your life? I didn't know um, if it was an attack just on me, and I wanted my family to be secure. So I called my family and told them to um, secure themselves. I just, it, it's just an unbelievable situation to find oneself in, because even though the system was and is prepared for these kind of incidents. One doesn't get up in the morning and get dressed to go to work thinking that it's going to be your turn, right? No, I mean, the good news is on attacks on judges is they're rare. They happen with some frequency. We've had four in the state of Nevada in the last decade. And so they happen with some regularity, but in the scheme of things, they're rare. Um, I do want to point out, because people are going to be curious and they can obviously Google your name and find out, so um, the, the person who attacked you uh, was Darren Mack, uh, a pawn shop owner in Reno. Um, he had stabbed his wife, Chera, um, and he's now serving time in the Ely State Prison, uh, 36 years um, with the possibility of parole after that. Um, do you think he'll ever get out? It's not something I think about. I've moved on. How, how, how difficult was that to move on? Well, it, initially I was quite um, thoughtful about what had happened. I was already involved in a graduate education program at the University of Nevada, and the shooting changed my focus. I eventually obtained a doctorate degree from UNR, and my, the topic of my dissertation was courthouse violence. And as a result of my study of courthouse violence and my experience, I've had the opportunity to speak around the nation to judges on the issue of courthouse violence. So was that your therapy or did you have personal therapy in addition to that to get past this? Because I can't imagine what you must have gone through. I talked to therapists, but I, I, think the, uh, I think the major thing that I did was study the phenomena of court-related violence and understand how it occurs, why it occurs, how it can be prevented. All right, let's pick up on that when we come back after this timeout with Chuck Weller.
The Nevada Builders Alliance has been protecting the interests of the construction industry for over 50 years. Our programs save members thousands of dollars every year and allow them to provide much-needed benefits to their employees. Our industry also allows Nevada to grow. If you're thinking about a career in the construction industry, reach out. And if you haven't thought of a career in construction, what are you waiting for? We are the Nevada Builders Alliance. Early in the morning or throughout the night, professional truck drivers are on the job, serving you. Safely moving freight that's crucial to our economy. From the oldest industries to our newest innovators. From the exotic to the everyday. Trucks are everywhere, moving everything. Never afraid to embrace a future that makes Nevada and our nation stronger. Trucking moves America forward. Pro Group Management offers workers' comp services to a growing number of industries. As businesses grow and change with the times, the need for a solid workers' comp program must be flexible and up-to-date. The evolving nature of regulations can make staying ahead of complex tasks challenging. But ProGroup Management simplifies the work so your industry can move forward and succeed. ProGroup Management. Workers' comp that works for you. What do you count on? You count on your power every day. At NV Energy, we've always powered what's important to you. But we're not looking at the past. We're focused on the future. While our standards are high, our rates will remain low. And our commitment to renewables isn't just meeting standards, but leading the way. Because you can count on more than just your power. You can count on the company who brings it to you. That's our promise. You can count on it. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with senior judge Chuck Weller, um, who back in 2006 was shot in his courtroom and thankfully survived and is here with us. Um, you've devoted a lot of your time since then um, to learning and teaching um, uh, other judges about how they can see the signs of a problem in their courtroom. Can you explain how you went down this road and, and what you've been able to pass on to other justices? Yes. At, at or the judges, I'm sorry, not justices. At the time I was shot, I was already involved in a graduate education program at the University of Nevada, and the shooting changed my focus. I, <laughs> to say the least. I, I eventually obtained a, a doctorate degree, and my dissertation was on court security. And as a result, I've, been, I've had the opportunity to travel around the United States talking to judges about what they can do to keep themselves safe, what they can do to realistically appraise danger that they might be in. Okay, and that, and that was one of the things that struck me, uh, was you know, how, how do you appraise that situation, and how might that have helped you back in the day? There are signs that precede violent attacks. Most people think that the, that, the, that the scariest thing that can happen to you is to receive a death threat. But in fact, studies show that death threats aren't that dangerous. They're disquieting, but they aren't very dangerous. The things that precede an attack are things that show that somebody is obsessed with you. Show, somebody showing up at your church on Sunday that isn't part of the congregation showing up at a supermarket, a bullet left on the hood of your car. Those are the sort of things that precede actual attacks. 
I worked in the gaming industry in off-track betting when I was a, a much younger person. And, um, and one of the things that we were taught was don't be concerned about the person who comes up and yells at the window at you. Be concerned about the person who is obviously upset but says nothing and leaves the building. Yes. The first book on court security was called Hunters and Howlers, and the message was that hunters don't howl and howlers don't hunt. So um, what are you saying? When, first of all, how receptive are judges to what you have to say? And, and, and how prevalent is this problem across the country? What happens, and, it, and, it, and, and um, unfortunately it's copycat sort of crime, so one attack somewhere often leads to other attacks otherwhere, other places. Judges are very interested in learning about it. I'm sure that on some level all judges fear being attacked. And so it's important that from time to time, not every single year, but from time to time, they have refresher courses in court security. One has just happened on for some judges in the state of Nevada, and later this year, I'll be presenting to the district court judges in the state of Nevada on this topic. Um, are we spending enough money on court security around the state of Nevada? There are things that we could do better. For example? Right now, we have um, lots of jurisdictions, two really urban jurisdictions and lots of rural jurisdictions. We don't have anybody who's in charge of security for the entire court system, and that's something to be considered. There's some legislative changes that could occur that might improve the safety of judges that would also be applicable to other people in government, for example, state legislatures. Um, and, and who would be in charge of, of promoting this legislation? Would it be the Attorney General? Who would it be? I would imagine that it would come from the Supreme Court. Okay, all right. Um, is the you know, it's interesting, the Supreme Court, um, you hear the rulings, but, but the actions of the Supreme Court are really not very public. Um, and not because they don't want them to be, but it's just the media is so stretched at this point in our state that there is very little coverage of the media. What are your concerns about the Supreme Court and the appellate court? Well, they, they do an excellent job in what they do. Uh, I think that, that other states have modeled a, uh, a procedure whereby somebody working for the courts, the Supreme Court, is responsible around the state for things like courthouse design, uh, it, it give it meeting with judges to tell them how to stay safe, what to do to be safe. Uh, I think our court should consider following that model. Um, one of the things that uh, you've talked about is courtroom design and in reference to what happened in Las Vegas uh, with the judge there who was attacked on the bench and it was seen nationwide. Um, what were your thoughts upon seeing that video and what might have been able to be done to have prevented that happening in the first place? Well, it's hard for me to know because all I know is what I saw on television that everybody else saw. In some courtrooms, the bench is higher than the bench that Judge Holtis was behind, and that would prevent people from leaving. In some courtrooms, marshals or, de or bailiffs are stationed in between um, the, the litigants and the bench. In some cases, prisoners are shackled. In some cases, prisoners are told to remain seated so that they can't approach the bench. 
there are lots of things that can be done. They need to be tailored to the situation before the judge. All right, let's take one more break and we'll be right back with Judge Weller after this timeout. Find your fortune during the $150,000 Lucky Fortune giveaways at Tamarack Casino. Cash and free play giveaways every Thursday and Saturday, including $5,000 cash guaranteed and $40,000 in grand finale giveaways. Your good times are at Tamarack Casino. As you know, Reno is booming. Toll's development company is helping it grow with insightful design and development, building community with every project, adding beauty, adding excitement, emphasizing our shared humanity. Reno is becoming bigger. Toll's development is helping it become better, more livable, more enjoyable. To learn more, go to tollsdevelopment.com, tollsdevelopment.com. Save money and take transit. Did you know you can ride the bus all day for less than what it would cost you for a gallon of gas? Plan your trip now by going to rtcwashoe.com. Retail's impact on Nevada's economy? Enormous. 8,600 businesses, large and small, employing 145,000 workers. And last fiscal year, retail paid tax on nearly $60 billion in sales. We're the Retail Association of Nevada. We support retail, we help it grow, and we mean business. R-A-N-N-V dot org. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with senior judge Chuck Weller, who was shot back in 2006 um, in his offices in downtown Reno. Um, Going back to the, uh, the case that, that brought you to call me to come on the program and talk about this, your, your, your thoughts on, on what happened to Judge Holtis in Las Vegas? Well, it's traumatic. I know she returned to the bench the day after the event occurred. I applaud her for doing that, but I'm sure she's got some thoughts in her mind, as does her family, as, as does her colleagues on the bench, that need to be dealt with. Um, in, in what way would you think? I, I mean, you know, what, what, a, a what kind of thought? Because, you know, getting back on the horse again has been proven over time to be a good thing to do. Uh, because if you don't, then it's going to be very hard to get back into whatever it is that you were doing. But at the same time, and you must have experienced this yourself because you went right back to work as well, are there moments where you, you have flashbacks or things like that? We have an obligation to serve the, the judiciary. It's larger than us as individuals. And so it's important to go back, but it's important to recognize the human toll, and I understand that impact. And so as, as important as it is to go back to the bench, it's important for the judge, her family, and her colleagues to uh, reflect on what's happened to them, perhaps talk to a counselor, perhaps at a uh, court meeting uh, on court security to discuss what's occurred. Let's change topics here in our remaining few minutes here on the program. Um, you've just finished a book on World War II in Nevada. Yes. Tell us about the, the gestation of this book. I've been the historian for the Reno chapter of, of the Navy League for more than a decade and I wrote a book about the history of Nevada during World War II because it hadn't been done before. And uh, I was blessed by the fact that former Governor Sandoval 
wrote a foreword. It's being published by the University of Nevada Press and will be released in May. So what can you share with us um, about this book that will make everybody go to Amazon and sign up to get a copy? The Greatest Generation it was, is worth reading about and emulating today. You know, Nevada was such a, a, a smaller state back then, but yet we had a ton of military presence. Yes, we had a, a population of 110,000 people and a- Which is unimaginable that it was, you know, I mean, Carson City's got more than half of that. Las Vegas had 8,000 people. 8,000. While, while Reno had 25,000 people. Um, it, it was a different time, but, but Las Vegas took off as a result of what happened during the Second World War. In what way? What's now called Nellis Air Force Base was created there and also in the city of Henderson that now exists. That was just an empty spot in the desert at the beginning of World War II. What started Henderson was the creation of a plant to uh, fabricate the metal magnesium from ore that was mined at Gabs. Uh, really incredible. And then Northern Nevada, did, uh, did we already have the Naval, Aver, uh, Naval Air Station at Fallon uh, in World War II? It was created by the Army and then after the Battle of Midway, uh, the Army decided they didn't need that base any longer and the Navy took over. And what happened to Reno is the only military presence that happened here is what we now call STED, which was much, much smaller in comparison to, the, to what happened in Las Vegas and Fallon and Hawthorne and Wendover and Tonopah. All right. The name of the book? It's called uh, World War II and Nevada, The Silver State's Contribution to Victory. By Chuck Weller. I thank you for coming on. I thank you for calling me. And, um, and you are part of Nevada history. And uh, it's very important for people to understand not only what you went through, but the fact that you came through it whole. And we appreciate that. Thank you, Sam. Thank, Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. And we'll be right back. Imagine a magical garden that feeds Carson City's hungry and homeless, teaches our high school students agriculture, creates hanging floral displays to beautify downtown, and yet charges nothing. It's not magic. It's the Greenhouse Project. It's real, it's growing, and it needs your help. Go online to carsoncitygreenhouse.org so together we can grow it forward. 7 at 7 is a newscast built for your smartphone. It's a seven-minute newscast available every weekday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. at lbrj.com. We don't waste your time and we give you the day's top stories. We at the RJ have noticed some similarities between us and a certain BTS character, RJ. Plus the latest in Las Vegas business, weather, health, and entertainment news. <laughs> 7 at 7 streaming now on your smartphone. Southwest Specialties has been making the homes and businesses of Nevada beautiful for more than 20 years. Their experienced designers and craftsmen create the walkways, backyards, water features, and a variety of outdoor cooking areas that add curb appeal and value to your investment. Call today or visit them at their website and see how they can make your outdoor spaces special. Southwest Specialties, creative, distinctive, beautiful. 
Modern Boutique Ahern Hotel and Event Center sits at the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Two floors of meeting and event space are ideal for groups and conventions. Stay in one of 200 luxurious rooms and suites. Brand your event throughout the property. Flexible event spaces make for easy planning and personalization. Take over the entire hotel with a full buyout option. Thanks for watching Nevada Newsmakers. You can catch us online 24 hours a day at nevadanewsmakers.com or you can download the podcast wherever you like to get your podcasts. We'll see you on the next broadcast.